Hello, welcome to this conversation on Mission Together. I'm Ken Carter, and I'm really uh, joyed to serve as the Bishop of the Florida Conference in the United Methodist Church. And one of the amazing movements in Florida is Grace Church uh, in Southwest Florida, which has been overseen by the lead pastor, George Acevedo. Uh, hello, George. Hello, Bishop. Uh, it's great to be in this conversation with you. We're going to really be learning from you uh, for the next few minutes. Uh, I'm really excited about this. And very specifically, we wanted to learn about how you and the women and men on your pastoral team uh, prepare and give uh, sermons and teaching week after week. You've done this for a long time. So introduce us a little bit to Grace Church, uh, and then we'll go into the process of how you prepare sermons sure. and messages. Sure. So uh, I've been privileged to serve here now uh, in my 23rd year. And um, for the first uh, eight or nine years uh, that I was here, um, we were uh, a, a, a single cell church in one location. And then um, uh, since the Holy Spirit leading us as we were learning about the multi-site movement that was beginning uh, in the uh, United States, um, uh, started to learn from them and sense the leading of the Spirit that that might be a part of our future. Um, but we felt a unique calling to take uh, uh, in a partnership with the district and the annual conference, uh, either really seriously declined and declining churches or closed churches and see if God might transfer the DNA from the original campus in Cape Coral to new sites. And uh, so we began that process, uh, as I said, uh, you know, uh, about um, uh, 12 or 14 years ago. Uh, and, um, and so after we had done the first site, um, we realized that there really was um, uh, a need to be more efficient and effective at message preparation. It just made no sense to us to have, you know, one pastor over here working, you know, 15 or 20 hours on a message and another one working 15 or 20 hours on a message, what would happen if we did that together? And, um, and so uh, we began to experiment. That's one of the things I love about uh, the leadership here is they're very open to experimentation. And so we began right. to experiment about uh, team teaching. And uh, boy, we felt like we almost caught uh, uh, fire in a bottle, you know, lightning in a bottle, uh, as we uh, get my metaphors right, as we uh, uh, began to do this work. And it's kind of what Stephen Covey talks about in, in um, the Seven Habits book around uh, this sense of, of, um, of one plus one is not two, but one plus one is a hundred. Um, there is this, uh, it's Jesus saying, where two or three are gathered, I'm there. Uh, we were just, we were just experiencing um, a, a, a kind of robustness of conversation, richness of uh, wrestling with the theology and scripture and life, and uh, that we were just better together than we were by ourselves in this task of message preparation. And so we've just gotten better and better and better over the dozen years or, or more that we've been doing this. And uh, what it looks like today, um, by the grace of God, we have five sites where we do preaching at. Uh, we also have a um, uh, a layperson that does uh, a sermon every Sunday at a nursing home. And so he's a part of the teaching team. Uh, uh, and it's we've been uh, joined now by um, three millennials in their 20s and early 30s who are on the staff here at the Cape Coral campus who periodically preach. 
And then a retired district superintendent from the Illinois Great Rivers Annual Conference is on the team. So the team is really diverse of women and men of uh, all kinds of ages and stages of life. And, um, and we do message preparation together uh, every, every Monday. Uh, our rhythm mm-hmm. is we meet every Monday um, to plan a message for two weeks ahead. Um, and then we meet twice a year for about three quarters of a day to plan the messages, uh, the sermon series, the text, and the, uh, and the topic for each week uh, for a six-month period. So in the, in the uh, middle winter, we're planning for January to, to June. And then sometime in the middle of the spring, we'll plan for July to August. Right. So, so I'm visualizing your team. I know the people on your team. They're wonderful. Uh, it's Monday. Is it Monday morning when you meet? Monday mornings from uh, 830 Monday to morning, 1030. 830 to 1030. And, um, and does one person have responsibility for initiating the conversation? Does that rotate? Yeah. So, so the way it works is uh, I lead that team, but not because of my positional leadership, but because of my giftedness. Uh, Right, uh, by the right. grace of God, uh, I'm, I'm not good at a lot of things in leadership. Uh, you know that, Bishop, probably better than mm-hmm. most. Uh, but there, there are a few right. things I do pretty well. And one of those is yeah. sermon preparation. Uh, I, right. I, I like thinking. I think series. I think innovation around those kinds of things. And so I lead the team out of my gifts leadership, not my positional leadership. Um, right. uh, and the way we do it, because we have one very large campus and then several small uh, and medium-sized campuses around it, a constellation of uh, smaller and medium campuses. So because we have more resources, time, and staff, the preacher of the of that week, and remember we work two weeks ahead, leads right. uh, and it takes responsibility for doing the kind of guiding the conversation that happens. Right. So we use a lot of whiteboard. We write a lot of stuff on the whiteboard, ideas. Yeah. Um, and so if Wes, is, uh, Wes Olds, who's the campus pastor here at the Cape, is preaching two weeks later, um, he brings some ideas. Now, we have a covenant together. I know you appreciate uh, covenants. Right. We have a covenant together, and we all agree to spend 30 minutes the week ahead to study the topic mm-hmm. and the text. And right. so, um, so everybody comes to the table. That's a covenanted deal that we uh, agree to. And they come to the table with their ideas. We also have a scribe who's taking a notes of everything that somebody says. One of our pastors types like 100 words a minute. And so she types uh, right. the notes for us. Then Wes, right. uh, if he's the preacher two weeks uh, hence, Wes has from that Monday to the next Sunday night at midnight, he has to write the what we call the first draft. And so he right. writes it in his voice. He posts it to this base camp, which is an online kind of uh, tool. tool that we platform. use, a yeah, platform yep. that we use to store yep. information. Uh, the other communicators take it and they put it in their own voice. And they have right. from Monday morning to the next Friday at midnight to post theirs to base camp so that by Saturday morning, we'll have about six or seven versions of the same sermon. And then, right. then if you're a smart pastor, you go in and you read the other ones and cherry pick the best mm-hmm. from theirs on Saturday <laughs> as you fine tune your message to preach it on that weekend. Right, right. Well, I've been at Grace Church uh, a number of times. It's just an amazing um, 
multi-site movement. And I've heard uh, you preach, I've heard Wes preach and Arlene preach. And so I've heard uh, a similar outline, but, but the life experiences of the preachers are definitely different, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. And, and that's what we think is the, if you will, some of the genius of this is that, um, yeah. uh, and it, ironically, I think it comes out of our heritage as Wesleyan followers of Jesus. Uh, you know, right, Wesley had right. the 52 standard sermons. And I've understood right. from some Wesley scholars, it was because he was tapping um, often untrained lay people to lead this Methodist movement as it spread throughout the United Kingdom and then jumped the pond here to the uh, United States. And so he allowed the 52 sermons to be kind of the outlines that people would then put their own personal life story into. And uh, if you will, the language we would use, preach it in your own voice. So Arlene, who is a person in recovery, brings a different perspective than Wes, who's a a PK, a preacher's kid, uh, a a cradle Christian. So he brings a different insight, different perspective. Yes, sir. And you also preach around some of the churches, right? I mean, different voices are heard in the different churches. Yeah, that's one of the gifts. That's one of the reasons why the table has expanded our teaching team table from just simply the campus pastors and myself as the lead pastor to other staff persons who go to preach, particularly our youth, our family, uh, our missions pastor, Mm -hmm. And Arlene, who's in recovery and on staff here at the Cape Coral campus, uh, and myself periodically. I I primarily preach at the Cape campus, but um, we go to the other campuses so there can be other voices. Um, I had heard a a very popular uh, uh, mega church pastor one time say that uh, after he had been at his church for about 15 years and he was the primary voice, he kind of said tongue in cheek, I was concerned that my people thought God was uh, God's voice sounded like my voice. And so the gift of having men and women, different ages and stages, everyone from millennials to uh, late boomers, uh, is that we have a variety of voices and stages of life communicating at all of our campuses. But a similar core message. Right. Yeah, right, right. Well, I would think, you know, one of the great gifts of this model, um, and we're going to talk in a minute about uh, how this is transferable to different kinds of contexts. But one of the great gifts is that the quality of the message is really high because of the people around that table and because of the discipline you have. Um, but I would think another great gift would be that you're really training people to raise, to, to up their game as preachers. Uh, sure. And over over time, I mean, this is just really a learning community. And uh, have you seen that? Oh, absolutely. So um, because of the innovation of our annual conference, in great part because of your leadership, uh, we've we've uh, all of our campus pastors, uh, except for Wes, who came from another annual conference, Wes Olds, uh, are lay people uh, from the chairs right. or the pews of, of our campus uh, that are now pastoring these these new campuses of Grace Church. And so they don't come with a Bible college or a seminary uh, degree. Um, They've been nurtured in the discipleship systems of Grace Church, but they don't necessarily have the, uh, the, either the capacity or, or even the, 
experience uh, of preaching week after week after week. You know, most of them had done some teaching, Sunday school, smaller Mm -hmm. venues. So one of the gifts has been um, that we've gotten uh, more, uh, we've gotten better quicker and that all the, all the boats in the harbor go up as the tide increases. So I would tell you as somebody who's been privileged to preach now for 35 years that I think, no, I don't think, I know I'm a better preacher because I've been a part of this teaching team. And I can tell you that uh, we now have um, four, I think today our fifth person was approved to be a local pastor. Um, And uh, two of them have graduated from, from Duke. Um, But when Mm -hmm. they began, they had no theological education, no training in preaching, formal training. And so uh, the teaching team became this uh, generative community that helped them get better at the craft and the art of teaching. Right, right. That's really wonderful. Um, I wanted to, um, you know, to to also, uh, I guess, transition in our conversation, I was speaking with uh, our friend Randy Hernandez, the district superintendent in the Southwest, and he talked about uh, a culture where we were not in competition with each other. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, Grace Church is, has been, is a teaching church. I mean, you people come to Grace Church to see the ministry, to see the models, uh, to learn from you. I've I've been there and done that. And so I guess I want to transition our conversation to uh, how this model is not limited to a really large flourishing church, but uh, how this model might be transferred to some other kinds of settings. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, not only have we thought about it, uh, uh, Bishop, but we have actually coached um, some other pastors and leaders, church leaders, in how they might do that. And um, uh, what what we've discovered by watching them, like we coached them and then they went, kind of went out and experimented, right. is uh, I've seen kind of two basic models. And one was a group of pastors who live in a geographic area um, making a commitment to a similar rhythm uh, where they would uh, plan a series of messages um, you know, whether it was three months or six months or a year in, in advance with text and theme. Uh, and they would uh, commit to a couple of hours a week to do, a, you know, the exact kind of work that we do. Um, and they would, uh, in that model, the one model I'm thinking of, particularly a group of pastors who were in the inner city of Louisville, um, they mm-hmm. made a commitment to uh, that they would rotate the leadership. So it wouldn't all rest on one of them because they were all serving smaller, medium-sized uh, urban churches. And uh, so they, they just followed the same pattern, you know, uh, using the same instruments. Base camp is very inexpensive, uh, those kinds of things. And they did the work. And the report back to us was that it was phenomenal. Uh, you know, an unintended consequence of all of this is, you know, I mean, a, a good preacher spends a dozen or more hours a week preparing for a message. If they do it together, the time for that goes down. And so it frees up Mm. other time for them to spend more time with God, to take better care of their own soul or to do other leadership tasks. So there's an economy of scale that kicks in. The other model that I've seen uh, that I've heard about uh, have less kind of tangible uh, evidence of this. Uh, I mean, I know people are doing it, but I don't know what the results have been. 
have been uh, some younger pastors, uh, younger in ministry, not necessarily in age, uh, who've heard us talk about this in seminary context, um, who are very close with some friends that they went to seminary with, and then they all went to their appointments. And so because of the gift of video technology, um, you know, you can now, FaceTime is now a community thing where you can have several people on at the same time. Uh, We use a platform called Zoom to whenever one of us is out of town to, to bring them into the room, if you will. But you can use those kinds of platforms. And, and so it can be an affinity group that has, doesn't have to do anything with geography, but they can do the similar kind of work. Um, because I think one of the gifts of our model, Bishop, <clears throat> is that uh, it, you know, with the covenant, uh, with the experience itself, it creates a culture of high accountability. Um, you, you, right. In our model, you can't do a Saturday night special. That's a preacher term for right. staying right. up all night on a Saturday <laughs> to work on a sermon right. for Sunday. You can't do that because right. you have to turn it in. We have like commitments of saying this is when you're going to be done. And then I would say another unintended consequence is, you know, it's a gift for me to to get to my day off and have my sermon done and that it's not right. this thing that's kind of hanging over me um, that I, I, I can you know, be with God. I can be with my wife and my grandchildren, my children right. and the rest. Right. Well, I just want to say, and we're going to move toward the uh, conclusion of our conversation this time uh, is just, I think George, it just says a lot about you that you are a person who is known throughout our denomination and beyond. Uh, and it would be easy to be a heroic solo leader. It would be, you have a compelling story and a way of sharing that. It would be easy for you to do this by yourself. Uh, and yet you have kind of submitted to a, a, a group process, a team process uh, over a long period of time uh, that has, uh, that as you say, has changed the way you preach, but it obviously has changed the way others have preached. And I think that's a lesson for all of us. Uh, many of us, we don't want people to tinker with uh, the way we read scripture or the way we yeah. interpret scripture or the way we preach scripture or or deliver it. And uh, to to be in a group of people where you see each other's messages and do that. And, and this is so important because even though we're in the midst of, I know a lot of change and complexity at the local church and all the options people have to do other things and communication, technology, all that. Uh, It's still true, I think, that the sermon is the one thing that affects the most people. Uh, And you probably are in a church where people drive some distances uh, to, to, to be in these services, or they or they don't do other things to be there. And so you're just teaching us uh, about the importance of, of the message. Uh, I sometimes say in a in the sort of a unchurched culture, no one goes to church for no reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that they are, they are there uh, and they're there and there's no cultural pressure to be there. Yeah. Uh, and so they're there for a reason. They're there because they're hungry. Uh, and so just, I think in closing, just anything you would say to someone who maybe uh, is a little burned out in their preaching, a little bored in their preaching, or just looking for some kind of spark or, or new path, anything you'd say to that kind of person in closing, yeah. and then we'll have prayer. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you're very kind and, and generous and robust with your 
your affirmation. I, I promise you, uh, I'm not as good a leader as you just uh, just shared. Um, I, what what I would say is that um, you know if we if we push on our theology a little bit, um, uh, you know, God lives in community with God's self, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God made us in His image, and when we practice these kinds of things, and you know I'm a big believer in team ministry, Bishop, but when we practice these kinds of things, even team preparation, uh, message preparation, uh, we are living more into the image of the God in whose image we were made. Um, and, right. and so we, we have to think theologically about these things. Uh, I think that's the, and I put this in quotes, that's the magic of teams is that Right. is that one plus one is not two, it's a hundred. There's a, there's a multiplier that happens in all of this. So I would say to my precious colleague and friend who's feels a little staid in their preaching or a little wooden or even burned out in their preaching, um, that if they would risk community to invite two or three other folks around them, uh, lay people from their church uh, you, you know, um, uh, somebody in their church who is good at reading and reads lots of books and novels and somebody who's way up on, you, you know, uh, what's happening in the global scene, uh, some theologically minded people, um, even in the most remote of settings, if they're listening to this podcast, uh, there is a group of people who I believe would love nothing more than to surround their pastor and help her or help him become better at this art of preaching. And um, so risk it, you know, just risk it. And uh, uh, I know this, that I will never go back. If you call me tomorrow and tell me I've got a new assignment in a new place, one of the first things I will do, Bishop, is I will build a a teaching team to help us uh, figure out what the Lord is saying to us. Because there is a beauty in the diversity of voices and perspectives that you just don't get when it's you standing in front of a blinking cursor. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a mosaic of ideas and thoughts. And, and, and I think it's important to say that uh, if you were a fly on the wall at our teaching team, uh, you know, voices get elevated. I mean, this is not a, you know, it's not everybody sitting around saying, Oh, teach us great wise one. Uh, We're pushing into each other's, uh, good or bad theology, misinterpretation of scripture, uh, bad illustrations, all of those things uh, to try to help each other get better at the task. So yeah, that's that's what I would say. Risk it. Um, uh, gather some folks around and, and feel the magic because it will happen. Uh, well, thank you, George. Uh, thank you for uh, this conversation and for your ministry and um just for the way you um, offer what you've learned and are learning at Grace Church, you and your team to others. If you could just uh, offer a quick closing prayer for uh, anyone listening uh, with us uh, in this moment. Well, God, uh, likely the person listening to this is somebody uh, who has this kind of assignment as a regular part of their life or is at least investigating it. And, uh, I pray, God, that you would just help them to hear the whisper of your spirit as to how they might get better at this amazing privilege um, that preachers and teachers are given uh, to share with people the word of the Lord. 
thank you for the admonition of Scripture that, that teachers are under a stricter kind of judgment and that there is a holiness and a sacredness to this task. So might we be quickened at the deepest part of who we are um, to get better at it, Lord, uh, mostly for the honor and glory of your name, but also for the good of people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, George. Thank you, Bishop.